Welcome to This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast of AllSportsDiscussion.com. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the country. Tonight, we have a brand-new guest on, Ben Bird from Bull City Coordinators. This is a Duke football blog. There's, there's, this is a valuable commodity, folks. Uh, you can find <laughs> Ben on Twitter at, at BullCityCoordinators.com. The site Twitter account is at DukeFBCoverage on Twitter. Ben, welcome to AllForceDiscussion.com. You're here with Jeff and I, with Jeff. Well, you can follow on Twitter at, at TalkingACCSports. He's joining me. This is our we're, – we're pretty deep into the into podcast season here, Ben. We're, you are – I want to make sure I get the number right here. You're, you're number 375. This is our 375th episode, and we're really happy to have you on the show. So, Ben, first, tell us about yourself a little bit, and then you can plug anything in the world that you want here tonight. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you guys for having me. I don't know what the appropriate gift is for a 375th anniversary. Uh, I don't know if uh, (laughs) they go that high, but I appreciate you guys having me come on uh, and talk about Duke football. I think I'm one of the few people in the country who uh, take the time to run a blog specifically uh, dedicated to Blue Devils football. So if you have some time, go to BullCityCoordinators.com. Check out our podcast, the Duke Football Coverage Podcast. We do a lot of interviews with former players. We've had some people uh, closely associated with the program. One of the guys we're going to talk about tonight, Gunnar Holmberg, his mother, came on and did a great interview where we talked about family and a lot more than just football. And uh, one of the most popular interviews that I've ever done uh, recently, we had John Latina, the former O-line coach for the Blue Devils, come on. Of course, Ross Martin, who I'm sure you guys remember from kicking field goals back in Duke's uh, glory days, is still, I think, the most popular interview that we've had. But I I won't mention the Thomas Cirk interview that we did. That might bring back some bad memories for uh, one of you guys. (laughs) Right. Great, great. So before we get into football, let's let's talk about basketball. We want to get your quick thoughts on John Shire being announced as the head coach in waiting following the retirement of Coach K, which happens at the end of this upcoming year for Duke Benz basketball. It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a challenge, I think, for the basketball program to be patient. Uh, it's very easy to say, and I think accurate to say, that Duke basketball has been spoiled, certainly during my lifetime. I think we've won five national titles. Uh, you know, that's just a couple, right? Uh, they, they've done pretty well, and it's going to be different. Uh, John Shire is not Coach Krzyzewski, nobody's Coach Krzyzewski, and you can't expect Shire to be Coach K. You've just got to let him be himself, and you've got to be patient and let him grow. I think it's an interesting move. I hope it works out well, but I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to assume that he's going to do a good job. You've got some really smart folks in the athletic department who made that decision. I think that was Dr. Kevin White's last uh, big hire. And he's got a pretty good track record. So I have the uh, utmost faith and confidence in him. But I am going to tell you, do I think it's going to be as successful as it's been under Coach K every year? Probably not. But that's just a reflection of Coach K being a very, very unique guy and uh, somebody that's hard to replace. So 
if it's not quite at the level that it was at with Coach K, don't freak out about it. Just enjoy the ride and hope we're getting to the tournament and hope we're having more wins and losses. Very good, sir. Very good. Jeff, you're up, man. All right. Thanks, Matthew. All right, Ben. Um, you know, we want to get into football now, and we want to talk with the Duke football team next year. What are some of the major strengths coming back next year for the Blue Devils? Well, there's a couple of areas that I think you guys can look at and that all the defensive coordinators and special teams coordinators are going to be uh, looking at very closely. The first one is Mateo Durant from my home state of South Carolina. The guy can run the football, and he is coming on real strong. He's been on a lot of preseason watch lists, a lot of all-ACC preseason team lists. He can run the ball. They just need to give it to him. I think that this offensive line, too, they've been together now for a year under Coach Fry. They've got a little bit more stability. They're a little bit older. And I did an interview last night with former walk-on Lee Rodeo, who finished up the program in 2019. He feels like this is the best the O-line's ever been. To Kobe Cofield, who was on about a month or so ago, said the same thing. The O-line's about the best it's, it's ever been uh, since the four bowl game season. Uh, the four straight bowl game seasons back from 2012 to 2015. Those are the strengths also. And when I say this, you might think it's a negative thing. This is actually a positive thing. Porter Wilson, that dude can straight up punt the ball. Okay. I mean, I know you've all seen him with his mustache and his you know, hair and everything, but the special teams, the kicking teams for Duke, I think is going to be pretty good this year. Wide receivers, tight ends will be able to produce a little more question marks there. But if you're looking at what are the strengths, I think you're looking at Mateo Durant and you're looking at the offensive line. And then we can talk about question marks a little bit, a little bit later, but there's a guy under center who's going to be one of those that I really would like to talk about with you guys some tonight. All right. All right, Ben, let's go on the flip side. What are some of the major weaknesses for the Blue Devils uh, going into the season? In other words, what do you think Duke will be working on before the first game? You know, what are the questions that you think have to be resolved for a successful season? Well, last December, I started doing interviews with a lot of former Duke players. And one of the things that's come through, I've gone back to the mid-90s up to the early 2000s with three of the interviews that I did. And one of the things that kept coming up with those guys was depth is a problem at Duke. And a lot of the people that I speak to, I don't want to try to get them to say something that can be construed as negative, obviously, because we're trying to build fan interest. We're trying to build a brand and we're trying to get people to come on and and talk freely without the fear of saying something that can be harmful. But what I will say is they all recognize that, that depth is an issue at Duke. It's always been an issue at Duke. And a lot of that is just you'll see it after about five or six games in, in the season when the injuries start to hit. They've tried to address that some with some transfers, which we can talk about a little bit more uh, as the interview goes on. But depth is going to be a big issue. You're also going to have to replace a lot of guys who were drafted. The Blue Devils had four players who were drafted for the first time, and I think what, since the 70s, and they had three of the guys sign free agent contracts, which is very rare to have that many Blue Devils go from playing on Saturday to playing on Sunday in one season. But what I think a real weakness is going to be is going to be 
the linebacker spot. I think the guys that we have there who are playing are very, very talented and can make plays, particularly Shaka Hayward. But we just lost Rocky Shelton for the season. He's no longer on the football team. That guy's going to be hard to replace. He was a guy who could make a lot of plays and do a lot. And the Blue Devils are a development or developmental program. They bring people up slowly and over time, and it's going to take a while to replace a guy like Rocky Shelton. Now, to your second part of the question, what are we working on before the first game? The biggest question mark we have coming into this season is that quarterback. Gunnar Holmberg, it's his time to step up and play. I think he's been on campus since 2018. He's got a lot of talent. Everybody that I have talked to has had nothing but great things to say about Gunnar Holmberg, but we really don't know a lot of what he's capable of because he has seen very, very limited time. And last season was particularly frustrating. I mean, you guys remember the interceptions and the turnovers, right, that just kept coming. And despite all that, despite all the problems, we never saw sustained snaps, sustained drives, sustained opportunities for Gunner to get on the field. But he's a guy who apparently has a big arm, and Duke runs a mobile quarterback system. He can run. He can move real well. And if all that holds up between him and Mateo Durant, I think it could be a good start to the season. Now, one other thing the Blue Devils are going to have to look for and are going to have to find is leadership. You've seen some of the interviews heading into the spring game. The players were talking about how we need to hold each other accountable and we need to have leadership. And I'm I'm not trying to knock some guys like Chris Rump or Noah Gray. They were super, super talented. But those guys didn't step up and hold the team accountable, I don't think, because, you know, Chris Rump, Great talent, but a lot of penalties, okay? Jumped off sides a lot. Noah Gray should have had 70 catches last year, and I don't think there was enough to get him the ball. And I'm not knocking those guys. I'm just saying they were the most talented guys on our team in many respects, but they also weren't the ones leading the team. Someone's going to have to step up and be that leader. And I think that that that's going to be the big question marks and the big things that the team are going to have to work on heading into this first game. All right. Um, Ben, who are some of the new recruits or or players that have transferred in that you're impressed with the most? You know, this is a question that Matthew and I have been asking for years, and it's always been new recruits, but um, with the way the transfer portal has really opened things up. I mean, their, their new arrivals can have instant impact on a team. So we've kind of added that on there uh, to that question this year. Um, we also know that Duke usually redshirts a lot of players. You know, however, are there any that you think will get major playing time right away, uh, either as a new recruit or, or in the transfer portal? I don't think it's going to be the incoming recruits just because you guys hit the nail on the head. And I said it earlier, Duke's a developmental program. Uh, Coaches like Ben Albert, great, great defensive line coach, but he builds you over time, right? Now, there could be injuries that force true freshmen to get on the field. It's possible, but I do think the guys from the transfer portal will have more immediate impact. Jamarik Woods, who came in last year but didn't play a whole lot because of the COVID situation and, and Duke's approach to handling that, he came in at safety. Dominique Long also came in from Michigan State safety. Jamie on Franklin from Notre Dame. He's going to have to fill some spots that went to Big uh, Big Vic and Chris Rump. 
and Kobe Campbell, uh, Colby Campbell, who came in from PC, he was a linebacker there with Shelton uh, being out. There's a chance for him to step in and play, but, and I'm not knocking the guy, there is going to be, though, a, a, a transition and a learning curve going from playing at PC uh, to coming up uh, and playing in the ACC. I do think where you're going to see a lot of players get a lot of opportunities who just came in to Duke are at the offensive line. I mentioned earlier that they've been together for a year. They've got a lot of talent, but they've added a whole lot of depth there. You had Carson Van Lynn from Pitt. I think that's great. Maybe we'll finally be able to beat, beat Pitt this year since we brought him over. I mean, we're due. Uh, you had Cade Parmalee uh, from Abilene Christian and Brian Foley uh, from Holy Cross. I don't know if those guys are going to start. I don't know how much they're going to play. I think they're going to have a chance to get good minutes, uh, a lot of snaps, and if nothing else, it'll add depth to the line because last year the Blue Devils went through three centers, and I don't care how good you are. Unless you're like an Alabama or a Clemson, you're not going to survive playing three centers. So I think if you're looking for immediate impact, look at those guys that I mentioned on the transfer portal, uh, as opposed to the uh, recruits who just came in, uh, the uh, first-year freshmen. All right. Uh, ben, do you think Duke will be better uh, than last year, and why or why not? And then we'll, we're going to play what we call win-game-lose-game, game, where we go through uh, the Duke schedule and we get your quick feeling on whether that game is going to be a win or a loss. All right. Well, for the second part, I hope the people that I'm trying to get to come on my, my podcast for when it starts back up for season two will not pay too close attention to my predictions, and I hope they're wrong. Okay, so let me, let me just preface that. Will we be better than last year? I hope so. They were two and nine, so you're thinking it's going to be hard to be worse than last year. You also have non-conference games this year. Uh, you get four as opposed to the one, I believe, that the Blue Devils had last season. So I think that they will be better than they were last year. But to get to just by virtue of having those additional games, the conference schedule is very, very tough. I also think this is a little bit more of a determined group. I've heard a lot about guys like Jake Bobo who really want to get Duke back to a bowl game and that that is a, a driving goal for this team. I do want to say, though, that I think that this team, as they start to feel their way through the season, as they start to get comfortable, they could be like that 2011 team that Duke had that lost, that they were 3-9, and nine, and they lost a lot of close games. I think I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but they easily, I think, maybe through 10 or 11 more points, could have gotten to 6-6. Six and six. And it would not surprise me if this team goes like 4-8 and eight or 5-7, and seven, but they lose a fair number of close games. That's kind of my thought on this team. I think they will be better. I've heard a lot about how determined the running back core is, that Mateo Durant, also the quarterback, Gunnar Holmberg and the wide receivers, they really, really want to get this thing, this ship righted, and they want to get back to a bowl game. So I do think that they'll be better than they were last year. If you're asking me how much better, I'm a trial attorney, and victory is all in how you define the parameters. So I'm, I'm going to give kind of 
uh, an open-ended answer on that. Four and eight doesn't seem a lot better than two and nine, but they have a chance to be, I think, setting themselves up for a much better 2022. All right, let's get into that schedule and, and you know, and see where those wins are going to come out this season. Uh, you start out on the road on uh, on Friday, September 3rd at the Charlotte 49ers. I'm going to go with a win on that one. All right, then a week later, uh, you know, this game's going to be on the ACC Network, another Friday night game. You come back and you host uh, the North Carolina A&T Aggies. I think that's going to be another win. I think Duke's going to start out 2-0. and All right, then you come back. Um, and, and this, I think, is, is one of the more pivotal games on your schedule. Uh, you, you win this one, and, you know, you could you could you know start thinking about a bowl season. I, I think this is a really pivotal game. You get Northwestern at home. So these next two games that you're mentioning, I think the Blue Devils are gonna gonna split them. I think they're gonna go one and one. I'm not sure which one that is, but I think that Duke will probably lose to Northwestern and fall to two and one. All right, uh, then you come back. Uh, in the next week, and you host the Kansas Jayhawks. Well, I've got tickets to that game. A bunch of my my buddies are getting together for it, so I, I've got to I've got to I've got to go Duke Blue on that one, and and say we get we get to three and one with a win over the Jayhawks. All right, so you know you get through September, you're three and one, uh, and now you head on the road. You play at arch rival North Carolina, and uh, you know their Heisman Trophy uh, contending quarterback Sam Howell. All right, I am obligated by law to never pick North Carolina to win a game. So you can just call you you can call this a homer pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Blue Devils and say our blue is better. All right, you got your four and one right now. You got you just pulled an upset off of a uh, North Carolina, and you come back and you host uh, Georgia Tech at at Duke. I th- I think that's probably gonna be a loss. Georgia All Tech right. has. Uh, Georgia Tech has really played Duke a lot better over the last several seasons. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, you know, David Cutcliffe and Paul Johnson had a, had a little bit of a back and forth there towards the end of the the Johnson and era, but um, you know, Jeff Collins got the win last year, so that that should be an interesting game. Uh, after you know the Georgia Tech game, you go on the road and you play at Virginia. Well, until Duke can beat Virginia, I've got to pick Virginia. They just the Blue All Devils right. have not played well against Virginia over the last several seasons. Okay, then after Virginia, you got a bye week. Gives you a week to prepare for another in-state rival. Uh, you play at Wake Forest. I would like to say that Duke is going to win that game, but. Duke has really gotten manhandled by the Demon Deacons over the last several years. And I know there's been a lot of transfers out at Wake. There's a lot of unknowns there. So I'm I'm gonna take that as a as a win for the Blue Devils. With the with the qualification though that that is gonna be one of those crazy point games that Duke and Wake Forest used to play back in the early two thousands where each team would have like five hundred yards and fifty points. Yeah, I think that's a game that, you know, 
we're not quite sure where the teams will come into that one uh, record-wise, but that's going to be an entertaining game. <laughs> I think so, and I think Wake Forest is very, very well coached, so I don't want this to be read as me dogging Wake Forest in any way. I just think they have some uncertainty, too, so it's a game that I think that the Blue Devils could steal. All right. Um, you know, then uh, a week later, you're at home, you're hosting the Pitt Panthers. I don't think that we're legally allowed to beat Pittsburgh. So I think that we have to go, we have to pick the Panthers to win that game. I just think there is some sort of bylaw that prevents Duke from beating Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, Then after the Pitt game, you go on the road. Uh, Just the second time uh, this season that Duke is going to leave the state of North Carolina, you go on the road, you play at Virginia Tech. That's a tough one. What, what do you guys think about Virginia Tech this year? I'm a little uncertain on them, and I have not been able to get a good read for this game. I think I think uh, just myself and, and Matthew's probably got a lot more opinion, uh, you know, being a Virginia Tech guy. But I, I think Justin Fuente is, is, is coaching for his job this season. But there's talent on that team. I mean, they're they're. You know, if, if they get their chemistry together, they got a chance to be pretty good. But they definitely, yeah. you know, they're up against it with, with the way Fuente's coming into the season. Really depends on how the season starts out for Virginia Tech, Ben. I mean, if, they, if, if Virginia Tech gets its doors blown off against North Carolina, it could be pretty tough. If they beat North Carolina at the beginning of the season, the rest of the season bodes pretty well. But there's a lot of people that, really don't know what Virginia Tech has at quarterback. They know that Virginia Tech's going to have a, a really good running game. The offensive line is strong. The running backs will be pretty good. They don't know what they're really getting from their quarterback. They don't really know what they're getting from their offensive coordinator. And so, uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine. If Tech starts out, let's say Tech starts out 3-0, and they could turn out to be pretty good towards the end of the season. Because the, de- the one thing I can tell you, the defense is really going to be really good for Tech this year. It's that, that'll probably be the stronger part of, the, uh, of the, the stronger side of the ball, I should say. But the offense, I'm not quite sure, not quite sure what we're getting yet. Because we had two quarterbacks transfer out at Virginia Tech. And uh, the, depth, the depth behind the starter isn't really all that strong, but we'll have to we'll ha- we'll have to see, we'll have to see about that. I, I I feel you know that's I feel I feel I feel pretty good about tech te- tech in that in that game, but we'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean tech in that one. Just given that there's so much unknown at this point, I think that. The safe bets, Virginia Tech, but I think that that game could be a toss-up if if the Blue Devils can run the ball well with Durant, if Gunner can play well, and if that line gels. I think this Duke team could be, uh, I don't want to say deadly, but I think they could cause teams problems. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take Tech in that game. All right. Um, you know, and when you're talking about Mateo Durant, Ben, you know, if, if if our listeners, you know, if they're not really all that familiar with him, they're they're going to find out this year when when Matthew and I uh, helped Matt Zemek put together the the All ACC team for Lindy Sports this year, and we we had 
Durant is one of our top three or four running backs in the ACC. We did a, a, a running back ranking for the ACC um, on, on our blog, allsportsdiscussion.com. We had Durant in the top three. So if, if you're not familiar with with Durant out there, you're, you're going to find out. This is, this is one of the best running backs in the ACC and, and probably one of the most underrated running backs in the country. And people are going to find out just how good he is. I hope so, but they're going to have to give Mateo the ball and not split running back duties like they've done for so long because I think it, it has hampered the development of some of the the running backs there in Durham. But if they just give Durant the ball and the line gels together well and, you know, of course, with, with every football team, you know, just be on the field and, and get your opportunity to make plays, I think he could be really, really good. You you got to you got to feed the you got to feed the rock to players like that. Absolutely. So after that, yep. After that Virginia Tech game, uh, you come back on a Thursday night and you host the the Louisville Cardinals. I'm going to take the Blue Devils in that game, although it is a Thursday night game. So I I think that might be a mistake. Uh, the the night the night games for the Blue Devils and the Thursday nights are are difficult, uh, but I'm going to have to take the Blue Devils on that one. Okay, and then you you finish the season at Duke hosting uh, the Miami Hurricanes, and, and there's been a couple couple wild ones against the Canes in the last couple years. That's true. Uh, we all remember Deion Jackson breaking the U over his knee when he uh, ripped off that 75-yard touchdown run back in 2018, I believe it was. And then, of course, Ben Humphreys at the end of the game holding the upside-down U, which I would love to see that hanging in the Louvre one day where it belongs. Uh, I'd love to have, of course, Humphreys back. But uh, there was also, uh, you know, 2019, Duke bounced back and beat him. But last season was uh, not – didn't go that way. Uh, 2019, Duke had really struggled down the stretch and then pulled out a win against the Hurricanes. But last season, in Miami seemed to move far, far, far ahead of the Blue Devils, beat them 48 to nothing, and I just don't see that changing. I think that Miami is going to beat Duke again. I don't know where that has me for the win-loss record, but I think you could probably throw out one of the picks that I made uh, as just a homer pick. Uh, I think we're. I think we have to be a little bit more realistic about that. So I think after the the first four games, the wins are going to be hard to come by, and you know, probably going to end up right around five wins. Okay. All right. All right, Matthew. I'm going to turn it over to you. Last couple questions in the podcast. Okay, Ben, uh, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Now we're going to give you the, the kind of the scenario question, and, and you'll give us a chance to really really drop some real, some real thoughts here, as we say, right? The real, real thoughts, real analysis. I mean, give us the pulse of the Duke football program. What are the Duke fans, bloggers, alumni, what's everybody thinking about the status of the program and the direction it's headed? They are very – unsettled, very impatient, very frustrated. I think you can look at any Twitter feed. I think you can, well, there's not a whole lot of blogs out there, but I think if you get in on any sort of social media group, you're going to see a lot of frustration. And I've talked with a lot of people 
And look, I mean, this program is not known for winning, right? I mean, let's just be honest about that. But 2012 through 2015 showed it was possible. 2016 decimated by injuries. 2017, 2018, you get back there. And I think this where Coach Cutcliffe has lost a lot of support and a lot of trust and a lot of patience with the fan base was that jump pass against that other team that wears blue in, in North Carolina. And everything fell apart after that. Uh, the fans are upset. The fans are impatient. But I think a lot of the players are impatient, too, and they want to win. And I think that could help this team this year, right? But I think that what we want to see done is there was a shakeup. Let me lead into this. There was a shakeup of the offensive and uh, defensive staffs this season. They moved a lot of people around. Uh, Trooper Taylor went from wide receivers over to defensive backs. Calvin McGee came in to coach running backs. Uh, coach Fry got more recruiting responsibilities. And you have coaches Boyette and Ferris who are now calling the plays and running the offense. And Boyette's working with the right, wide receivers now, even though he's been a very successful running back guy. I think a lot of people liked that move because it gives Boyette a chance to show what he can do, but they're also concerned about the move because if you have, it's like that old saying, if you have two starting quarterbacks or two quarterbacks on a team, you don't have any. And if you have two offensive coordinators, maybe you don't have anyone at all and just falls back to Cutcliffe and maybe Coach Cut should step back and be a CEO. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of worry headed into this season. And I will say this too, one thing that we got to keep in mind because no matter how Cutcliffe's career ends, you know, they need to put the statue for him up for everything that he's done, right? I mean, he's won three bowl games there, uh, took him to, to six bowl games. I mean, he took him to an ACC championship game, won a Coastal Division championship. His salary is only extended through June of 2023, Okay. Yeah, just just think about that as we're going into this season. He's only got after this one more full season under contract. I think there's going to be a fair amount of pressure. You have a new athletic director who's come in. I don't think that she's going to push to make any decisions, and I don't think that we're going to see Cutcliffe get fired by any stretch of the imagination. Even if next year doesn't go well, I'll think I think he will either resign or the decision is just going to be put to him that we're not going to renew your contract and we're going to let you go out on your own terms, okay? But where we are heading into this offseason after as, or this coming season as bad as last year was, as a fan base, we are frustrated and we want to see some improvement. I'm being more patient than most, okay? Because I think this team may not get to a bowl game, but I think they're going to be a lot better than last year. And I think they're going to be a lot closer to being really good. And hopefully 2022, they'll take that next step. We just have to be patient with it and trust the process. Some. Very good summary. Very good summary, Ben. Now, next question, open microphone. You can talk about any topic that you want. Here we go. The floor is yours. All right. Well, uh, first, uh, I just want to, again, thank you guys for having me come on. This was a lot of fun. I've, I've been watching this team since I was a kid. I remember Steve Spurrier and the uh, photograph under the scoreboard, uh, the 41 nothing game against North Carolina. So this is a chance for me to talk about a team that I've followed for a long time. I just want to say to anybody who's associated with the program, 
uh, who's going to go out and be a part of putting the product on the field this this year. We as fans, we as as bloggers, as people on Twitter, we may get frustrated on times, and we may express opinions in not a good way. I'm going to do my best to be constructive this whole season, uh, fair but constructive. I just want to see you guys play better than last year because last year was so sloppy. I mean, all the turnovers, all the mistakes, the penalties, the three false starts in a row, I believe it was against Florida State towards the end of the first half when you got a chance to score. I mean, that stuff just can't happen. And for the coaches, you guys have got to demand accountability. That was lacking last year. There was no accountability, none. And it started at the quarterback, and it filtered on down through the team. You had your best players making penalties, fumbling, jumping off sides. I mean, just stuff that you can't have happen. So, look, guys, we want to get back to where we were from that glorious run of 2012 through 2015 and even up through 2018. Uh, you know, 2016 was a what-if season, and, and 2018 was a what-if season, too. Again, all the injuries, Duke could have maybe done a whole lot more, one, two, or three more games that year. So I'm going to do my part to be patient, but I just hope that the players just take ownership of this. hope you guys do it. I hope you have a great season. But the coaches, you have got to hold people accountable. We can't have what we had happen last season. And let's just hope the season goes safely, that we don't have a whole lot of clusters of COVID outbreaks and all that, and that fans being in the stands, hopefully at full capacity, works out well, and we have a, a safe, healthy and wonderful ACC season. That's what I'm looking forward to. Very good, sir. Very good. Jeff, you're up. And just a reminder, this week is, is basically the official start of, of, a, of ACC football with ACC Media Days uh, this week. And I think it's uh, the 20th and 21st or 21st, 22nd. I've got to uh, got to look that up to be sure, but it's it's this week. A um, couple things I want. I hopefully. Uh, that the that the media days addresses, and I know you're interested in this, Matthew. I'd love to hear uh, if if a deal has been finalized with with Comcast. Oh uh, yeah. Or some, yeah, or if there's something that they allude to that nearing completion, uh, because when they talk about revenue in the ACC, uh, that's the biggest uh, cable uh, company in the country. And, you know, that, that's definitely, you know, that they get on board and that, that's going to, you know, add significantly to, to what the ACC network can do. Uh, I'm, I'm real curious if they're going to mention anything about future uh, divisional alignment or address that or, or future conference scheduling. Those are the kind of things that, you know, aside from going into the season, the all ACC teams and the predictions that, that I want to see hopefully that the that the new commissioner at least, you know, talks about a little bit this week. You hit the nail right on the head. That's what I was, I was going to, I was going <laughs> to, we think alike, Jeff, because I was going to, I was going to ask about the, com, I, 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 I want to find out about that Comcast deal too, because that is the yeah. largest cable, that's the largest cable provider in Virginia, for heaven's sake. And two of the, you know, two of the major universities in the ACC, Virginia and Virginia Tech, that's where their viewers generally watch 
the ACC, the ACC network, if it, you know, if it could be on a major cable company, most a lot of them have left and have gone to other sources to, you know, to be able to get to the ACC network. And you probably find a, I happen to think you probably find a lot switch back at least temporarily if they did, because they probably get a deal or something to switch back to the network. So I, I think that's a very good point, and I think that's something that could bring, you know, quite frankly, is going to bring a lot of. A lot of money to the con- a lot of money to the conference when they join up. That's a, that's the big fish, as David Peel says, right from the from uh, from the Richmond Times Dispatch and everything. So, Ben, thanks so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show. We love having new guests and new voices come on the show, and we'd love to have you come on again sometime. So, thanks thanks so much for joining us. Hey, you're welcome. I'm happy to come on anytime. All right, you guys have a great week. Take care. All right, bye, guys. See you guys.